welcome to this episode of our Advisory Advantage podcast. I'm MC Carter, founder of Practice Paradox, a digital marketing agency specifically for accountants and business advisors. And today, as usual, I'm ably aided and abetted by my good friend across the ditch. Thanks, MC. Richard Francis, CEO of Spotlight Reporting, cloud accountant for 20 mumble years. Um, but straight on to uh, introducing our guest, uh, I, I jokingly call him the godfather of American accounting, um, although he doesn't correct me. He's, he's been around the traps for a while, Mr. Doug Sleater. Um, Doug has a, a rich and varied background in the accounting industry, actually globally, although based in California and, and Hawaii, uh, where he is right now, part of the year. Um, but founder of SleaterCon and, and, and just essentially one of those people that has really been at the coalface of the accounting industry for the last couple of decades. So welcome, Doug. Thanks to have me here. It's good to, good to see you. I get to see your bright face from New Zealand. It's great to be here. Um, fantastic to have you on. So now you're doing, talk, talk, talk to us about, uh, you're doing some advisory work. You do a little bit of work with Spotlight Reporting, of course. Um, but you're still uh, hands-on helping cloud businesses. Do you want to start there with a little bit of um, background? Well, yeah, uh, since, uh, since quote-unquote retiring, <laughs> so many people have trouble retiring from this fun profession. Uh, I sold my company in 2015, but ever since then, I've really kind of been trying to find the next opportunities, the next real wave of technology. Uh, so uh, the way I do that is following people like you, Richard, who are actually innovating in the space and finding better solutions that the accounting professionals can use as well as the small business owners to really uh, change the game. Uh, the whole cloud thing is obviously what we're, what we assume now, but uh, so I'm kind of building, if you will, a portfolio of companies that I advise who are cloud-based solutions that I think are going to change the game in the coming years. And I know that you want to talk about the B word. I think you've tried to convince me uh, of, of blockchain being, you know, the, the thing that's going to transform everything. Do you want to maybe explain, I mean, we, we do hear this at, at accounting conferences that we need to get our head around blockchain. Yeah. Do you want to give us a... Well, yeah. Uh, so... Uh, I, I, I guess a good analogy is I worked at Adobe Systems in the early 80s. I was number 30 at, at Adobe. So very early, small little startup company. What's Adobe Systems have to do with today? Well, I see a very big analogy. What Adobe did for publishing is they created this thing called PostScript. PostScript is the, the, essentially the dawn of the digitization of all of typography and graphic arts and printing and, and, and imaging. So because we had PostScript developed in the 80s, you've seen a complete transformation of the whole uh, publishing industry. Well, I see something very similar with blockchain technology when, it apply, when applied to uh, global commerce. So the blockchain technology is this underlying layer of technology that allows and facilitates uh, transactions between trading partners on a global basis. It takes out all of the friction, if you will, of doing uh, in the cryptocurrency space. Uh, the the idea of you know moving money from country to country is very expensive and slow and just really 
not efficient at all. And more and more uh, businesses are doing global uh, business. Uh, so even a small business owner today has probably got some global relationships. So this whole currency and this whole security model around moving information from country to country, all the laws that have have gotten even worse, you know, the, the borders actually have been getting tighter and tighter when the people are actually doing more and more interactions uh, across country borders. So I think blockchain is the foundation of what's going to be used in the future for how global commerce occurs. And Doug, what are you seeing accountants and CPAs doing in this space to anticipate and go with the change? What are people doing? That is the question. Very good question. Thank you. Uh, Today, I honestly say to the practicing CPA, hey, there's not really much, not many action items I have for you to start doing today other than just simply learning. Uh, I believe in lifelong learning. I have a hashtag called agility trumps ability. And what I'm really saying there is we may be really good at whatever we're doing. We may have a a good business model, a good uh, number of clients. We're super busy doing what we're doing. Uh, But if you're not agile and looking out and seeing what both technology trends are and then business market trends uh, are, then you're going to be left behind. Um, the, the big action item today is this whole cloud. If, if the accounting firm is not in the cloud, it's almost like, I hope you're planning to retire in the next couple of days because otherwise, you know, you're just not going to, your, your clients are going to leave you. Uh, they're not going to tell you why they're going to be nice. They're going to say they're happy, but you, you won't really know why. And it might be because, well, you're not forward thinking. You're not an agile business advisor. You're just a compliance-focused servant who does my uh, backwards-looking financial statements. So you see how this, we start talking about blockchain. That's kind of the next, next thing. But the today thing that actually has been here for at least 10 years now is if we're not in the cloud, if we're not paperless, we're just not with the program. And our Mm. business model needs serious rethinking. What do you think is the major obstacle here, Doug? Because I, um, you, you know, you were right there when Zero came to the, you know, the United yeah. States. QuickBooks Online started to take off. In fact, I think it was at the same conference. Rod yeah. showed up, um, and and that did transform and shake things up. Yeah. But there's still there's still you know a relatively modest penetration of you know complete cloud practices, particularly in North America. What's yeah. what's the problem up there? Yeah, uh, we are definitely, I consider to be behind New Zealand and Australia, especially, and and many parts of Europe too. They're just more open to throwing out the the old and and getting with the new program. Uh, Perhaps it's demographics in terms of age. Maybe your accountants are younger than our accountants who have been, you know, just too profitable for too long. Um, It's hard to say, uh, but... You know, it's the human nature is change is really scary. And um, I've seen some specific things in the U.S. that actually are still occurring. And that's the vendors come in with technology. They promise the moon and they deliver nothing. 
they deliver bugs. So they actually often deliver to me a product. They say they start taking my money and they start and I start using it and I start actually implementing it, get the staff trained. And then I say, oh, sh this isn't working. Oh, no, this was not really the right product for me. So that's actually a worse condition than having never moved at all. And so the guy that has that experience is really, really skeptical of all these guys that say, oh, it's so much better. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> once bitten, twice shy, I think is what's really gone on in a lot of the accounting firms uh, in the US. And just a question then on the action point, Doug, for the modern advisor who thinks, okay, I don't wanna be out of the loop with what's happening with blockchain. How can they go about learning? What would you recommend? Where should they go other than to Mr. Google? Yeah, well, um, Google does have some good results, so I would totally do that. But um, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. There are several books. In fact, I have book recommendations on my site that people can go to. Uh, and uh, I do, you know, follow me on Goodreads and things like that. So I'm reading books that are, somebody's actually taken a lot of time to put down a full multi-chapter book that talks about the technology, the business model change. Um, so, I mean, where should you go? I guess the quick answer is books, podcasts, conferences on blockchain. Um, and and uh, just know that there's blockchain is the underlying technology. Cryptocurrency, the Bitcoin type things and all the different digital currencies out there. Those are technologies that live on top of blockchain technology. Uh, so the two are, uh, I guess, related but separate in, in the sense that you can do things with blockchain that have nothing to do with Bitcoin. It, it's the underlying security model, if you will, and database technology that blockchain represents. And that is where I want the accountants to begin to school themselves understand how it's so much more secure than anything we've ever seen. And it's almost like the internet needs to be erased and re <laughs> rewritten with blockchain based technology that helps us get correct information into the internet, as opposed to all the garbage that we have to weed through today. So outside of the cryptocurrency space, which has obviously attracted a lot of speculators and, you know, it's the get rich quick area for a lot of people around crypto. So it's obviously great to make that distinction that blockchain is the enabling technology. What are the other areas outside of the currency that you see it playing out and affecting small and medium sized businesses and their CPA accounting advisors? Right. Well, um, so I envision a world, and this is pretty far out still, but I envision a world where we're actually going to have just a single set of books. It's not going to be your accounting system and my accounting system and your bookkeeper and my bookkeeper and transactions going into my system and the same transactions going into your system, but the opposite of the debits and credits. I think in the future, we're going to have a single place where the data exists in a secure global ledger and that would be this blockchain ledger and then once we get there um, we will have nothing gets put into the database that isn't absolutely accurate and if you will audited before it it, it gets written to the database uh, 
and once we then trust all the data in this global ledger, then we really can get to advisory and getting out of the whole point, uh, uh, job of accountants doing transactions and instead building, it's not like we won't have software locally or, or in our own cloud uh, that is our records, if you will, we'll still have that, but it will be more like dashboards that pull data off of this global ledger. So something like spotlight reporting comes along and it's got this dashboard technology that will just tie into this global ledger as opposed to worrying about, well, is it QuickBooks? Is it zero? Is it, you know, MYLB? Is, what's the accounting system that's coming? Save us a lot of headaches. It sure would, <laughs> wouldn't it? Of course, I'm painting a nirvana that, who knows? I mean, I want that to be, to come true. But I also understand that if it did come true, it'd be super scary in a different way. You know, so it, it's 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 very much a vision of the future, and I, I hope we all live to see that. Um, <clears throat> if uh, just just dialing back slightly to the reality of um, mm. the accountant in the trenches, dealing with the IRS, dealing with pesky clients, yep. clouds come along, the adoption of zero QBO etc is quite um, high now, but still lots lots of room to go. What's the you know you've you've talked about what we should have on our radar and what we should be learning about. What do you think is the one thing that accounting firms right now should be actioning as a 2018, 19? Yeah, okay. Uh, sort of the one thing, of course, depends on where they currently are in that, on the path. So like if they're using paper and writing checks and sending them in the mail, boy, that's the first. If you're not paperless, you don't even get to square one. So, well, they should retire right now, those ones, shouldn't they? Those ones, really. Um, but I do understand why and that they're still using paper. It's just, it's so embedded in their, all of their systems and things. So getting paperless, I mean, you know, but I've been saying that for 15 years. So <laughs> it's kind of frustrating and I feel like I'm not delivering any new information here. Yeah. Uh, but let's get paperless. Okay, then the database itself, if it's on your local hard drive, well, you need to completely focus on whether you really believe that's more secure or in fact, way less secure. And I would submit way less secure. Uh, so getting it off your local hard drives, then you say, oh, but it's on my server, it's backed up, it's blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, but still, local area networks and servers are just really not cutting it anymore. Uh, they're not accessible from anytime, anywhere. The uh, uh, likelihood of hard drive crashes. You're just really yeah. Sorry to interrupt, Doug, but I think that's a huge point. We see a lot of big firms, even down here, where they've still got their own kind of server farm out the back, you know, which isn't backed up as regularly yeah. as say, AWS or, right. or Azure. Or, um, are you seeing a movement, though? You've been talking about this for a few years as well, a movement to um, you know, either private or, or, or public cloud type um, data use, well, I know security is a huge issue, um, albeit often a misunderstood issue. Yeah, well, repeat what you meant about security again. Well, just, just you know, we have, we've had GDPR. Um, right. One of the first questions we always get asked is, oh, that's great that you're on Amazon web servers, uh, just like Xero and, and, and et cetera. Uh, right. But we want to step you through a 100-page checklist 
yeah. questions. So the big firms always do that. We're, we're, we're very good at answering those now. And, and, and I, don't, I don't think they realize the investment that cloud companies are making in encryption and other, yeah. other levels of security. Yeah. Um, but, but, but I think it's still a stumbling block mentally for some accounting firms with that. Yeah, uh, totally. So it's the mental stumbling block on, you know, uh, why is my server in my back room that I can sit and look at and guarantee nobody's getting at? Why is that less secure than uh, AWS, which I don't even know where the data is. In fact, the data's in everywhere. It's not just in one spot. Oh, that's worse, isn't it? So, and again, this is, I feel like a broken record. Why is this better <laughs> to the, the real cloud versus my own private server? But, you know, um, the, I, I will say that, but still, it, it's still not very secure, even when it is at AWS, because what, where we are today, we're still relying on passwords. And those passwords are authenticated with, Maybe there's you know uh, dual authentications and things, but still they want your ma mother's maiden name and your your childhood friend and your teacher's name, and they want all this information from us. Well, wait a minute, I keep giving up more and more and more of my personal information in order to just simply log into somebody's site. This really bothers me. Uh, it can't. It it's not sustainable. Um, what we need is this is why I think blockchain is going to finally it's going to dawn on people. Blockchain, where we're really getting, you know, public key, private key encryption from point to point, and uh, yeah. it's way more safe than just giving up your childhood pet's name. <laughs> do you so, think with the? Um, oh, sorry, Richard. Do you think, Doug, with the going paperless? Because I'm like you. It's like, wow, um, people are still kind of dealing with that issue of paperless. I've been running my businesses paperlessly since 2001 and I'm always flabbergasted where I see in someone's email signature, please consider the environment before printing this email. I think who's printing emails. Yeah. Um, but my question for you is, um, do you think what portion do you think is a mindset shift versus a skill gap that people don't go paperless? For example, you know, old school people that still print out everything because they want to do annotations on it. They want to write on it and, and do reviews versus, yeah, well, that makes sense. And actually speaking of Adobe, you know, <laughs> there's technologies to annotate on screen. Yeah. So yeah. how much is mindset? How much is skill gap? Do you think? Well, okay. So on the one example of the, I, I mean, I still would print out like a long contract or whatever that's multi pages. And I, I just want to go eat and I want to go, you know, and, and so there are uses for, 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 for printing. Uh, but uh, to your point, uh, it, what's mindset versus skill gap, I think, well, it, it's back to demographics. If it's the old guys like me, it's skill gap. If it's the young people that haven't done it, that haven't gone paperless or whatever, that's just a mindset. There's, there's you know, I, I don't know what to say to those people if they haven't seen the benefits. After all, if you're under 40, you grew up with a computer uh, as a two-year-old. So you don't really know a, a, a world without computers and digital and typewriter keyboards and things. So uh, if you're not being the under 40 crowd and you're not digital, um, I don't know. I think this is an education problem. I don't know. It's this cultural problem. What is it? I don't know. 
Um, yeah. Just just circling back a little bit to um, obviously you know paperless moving to cloud as as MC alluded to is kind of a two thousand and one so naughty's challenge really. Now that we're most of the way through the next decade, we've heard a lot about AI. It's going to replace accounting. Um, uh, and, and obviously advisory is, uh, you know, with compliance being right. arguably a sunset uh, strategy, you know, advisory coming in is, is, um, is pretty key. What are, your, what are your thoughts on kind of the, the overlap between AI and advisory and where we're heading? Because there's, there's always okay. pretty exciting announcements. From yeah, great. Yeah, that is the buzzword of the, of the day, AI and machine learning and blah, blah, blah. Okay, so where I come down on these things is I am very concerned about where we all, where we have been in the last 30 years of computing. And that is we have got all this data that has been uh, somehow stored, created and stored in hard drives and the internet all over the place. But there hasn't ever been any um, way to validate the data that we've got stored. So when I say, when, if we want to get to an AI kind of thing, well, AI is artificial intelligence, which is the artificial computer is going to look at lots of data, big, big, big data, right? So they call it, you know, the big buzzword of big data. Well, my problem is if big data is the requirement for AI and machine learning, because in big data sets, you can see huge trends and see, you can really conclude a lot of things. My issue is, but what we have is big, bad data. In so many cases where I've looked at little data, meaning somebody's general ledger in their company, mm. I have seen the biggest bunches of garbage you can possibly imagine. In fact, that's what all the Sleater Group members uh, make a living doing is cleaning up people's messes. And accounting firms all over the world, they are cleaning yeah. up messes. So that until before I get to spotlight reporting, which is aggregating all of my great data, I have to make sure that underlying data is, is accurate so that when I'm seeing a dashboard view of something, I can believe it. But isn't that the power of accountant verified data? And I'm not, I'm not for a moment suggesting that just because a disparate bunch of accountants have tidied up the messes that they've done it necessarily in the right way. But if you think of the scale of, of your zeros and your QuickBooks and, and the fact that they're then running their own machine learning over various transactions and how things are treated. Right. Aren't we heading to, and of course then Spotlight takes that data as well. Aren't we, aren't we heading towards somewhere though where the data set is not only big data, but quite compelling data and we should be using yeah, yeah, it? Yeah, so very good point. I mean, you're able to, when you're able to see a thousand businesses code the same credit card transaction from the same vendor to the same same account code. Okay, now we've got what something we can automate, right? Um, there, so there's a lot of progress being made on automating the data capture and therefore improving the data uh, quality. Uh, but I still am worried about uh, things like, well, credit reporting agencies that just pull at random points in time, the AR records of all these companies out there. And that's how they can conclude <laughs> what your credit score is. And my question is, um, you know, uh, did, did the credit agency pull the correct data or was it out of date when they pulled it? I, you know, these are problems that I, I just still believe are there and 
we have to address. I, I think we've found that a little bit with benchmarking, haven't we? We, we get um, benchmarking raised a lot at Spotlight mm-hmm. and we're we doing benchmarking and all of that. And of course, we're waiting for the wonderful people at, at Zero and Intuit to open up all of their massive data sets to us where we can benchmark by industry type. Yeah. Uh, but we're actually close to having a de minimis ourselves. But of course, right. what you really need is a, is a proper standard deviation for the, for the information to be correct. Yeah. Um, and I think that is going to add some powerful data sets to the accounting industry going forward. Yeah. Um, but if you're thinking of, of those accounting firms out there who are just, you know, pretty early on the journey with these cloud giants, mm-hmm. um, so they're not even thinking about some of the stuff um, that, that, that we would like them to think about. What's a good starting point? What would what would Doug Sleater, from all of his experience, say to that firm? And they've gone past paperless. They're playing with QuickBooks. They're playing with Zero. Because um, they, they have to change, don't they? I'm, I'm, I'm not saying compliance is dying or dead. You know, you know lots of people making a lot of money and playing golf off the back of compliance. Yeah, um, but you know. To, to stand still with compliance. Isn't that a dangerous strategy these days? Yeah, totally. Um, so where I look to is uh, the compliance department. Let me just say in a typical firm, the compliance department is the bookkeeping group. And that's where it's basically the funnel, if you will, for their tax department as well, because they're out there uh, helping the small business capture that data, get it correct, blah, blah, blah. The more they can make that machine work more and more efficiently, the better. So the question though is, do they continue to expand staffing and more data entry people? Or maybe they should be looking at, um, there's a company I'm involved with here in the States called BotKeeper. And what they're doing is they're automating the back end. The data capture and turning data into transactional without any human, but with a human checking at the end of the day, the day. The HubDoc is doing this, Receipt Bank is doing this. So a lot of these companies are, are beginning to really put their minds towards innovating on the capture and transactional entry. Okay, so that scares a lot of the bookkeeping type people out there because that's their skill set. That's what they make a living doing. So they should be scared, but if they're smart, they will say, okay, but that makes huge opportunity. If I can take some of the tools, the companies that are innovating those tools, make them my back office. I'm still in front of the client. You get closer and closer to clients and less and less in front of the keyboard. Mm. You're just going to make more money. That's one of my pet topics, Doug, is that the profession, one of the shifts that faces it is to start attracting people, people, who love the FaceTime mm-hmm. and, you know, shift the, the bias um, of communication style in the profession to being people that have good communication skills, you know, at least moderate levels of assertiveness so that they can have those trusted authority type relationships with their clients to give the commentary and the insights mm-hmm. and the accountability around the data because data increasingly being automated. Yeah. What's your view on, on that concept of the profession needing to attract more people, people, if it's to, you know, um, retain its relevance around advisory. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we did a survey back in 14, I think was the last, maybe 15 we updated it. Um, and it was, I called it what, what SMBs want. So, you know, what do they really want from us? Uh, and, and one of the questions I posed to the accounts is, have you even asked your clients what they want from you? 
you know, just pause on that. I bet they don't. They, they figure they know what their job is. And then it's an obvious, I do your taxes. I do your financial statements and game or end of story. Right. But wait, we asked them, we started asking the SBA, what do you want from your accountant? So like something like 68% of the SMBs said they would switch accountants if the new guy was giving proactive strategic advice, mm -hmm. whereas the old guy wouldn't do that, was just simply doing the job. Proactive yeah. strategic advice. That doesn't sound like an accountant to me, but who better to do proactive strategic advisory than your most trusted advisor, your accountant. So all mm -hmm. we gotta do is ask them what they want or maybe learn from my study and say, hey, yeah, I can do that. Of course, back to what you just started with the question, is a people-people skill in the sense of being proactive, being advisory, having the guts to say, hey, Mr. CEO, uh, I, I, I see some trends and I think you know, we, should, we should maybe talk about like, how can we increase margins? Uh, how can we do a better marketing job? I mean, you can actually start to see trends across your clients where they could do so much better. Hmm. And there's another thing, I'm sorry to keep going on this, but we get to see hundreds of clients and how they run their businesses and how their business models work. And just simply by being able, being in a profession, it's very unique for us. We get to see how the, all the different businesses work. So we can see how in maybe it's a different industry, how what they're doing is really working and could apply to your client in this other industry. And if you just look and notice and begin to use what you know to help the, each of the different, uh, uh, different industries su succeed even more. Absolutely. And building on that point about proactive strategic advice, Doug, um, when we've surveyed the clients of accounting firms over the years that are small and medium sized business owners, you know, the same concept put in kind of their words are, are phrases like, I just want to know that there's someone other than me thinking about my business. And the other word is, you know, suggestions. We yep. just want someone to make suggestions or to pose those important questions. Yep. It's just so valuable. So what do you think is holding back CPA firms and, you know, accounting advisory firms from doing more of that? Uh, it's probably back to your initial question is the people, people issue. It's like, what is the personality type that goes into the accounting profession? They're analytical. They're probably shy. Uh, typically they, they like uh, numbers, but they don't like really, you know, eye to eye contact. And so I, I suppose that's the main um, uh, thing in the way. So the question is, can you, can you teach these skills to analytical types to become more people types? And I guess that, that can be a rhetorical question because <laughs> each person has to ask themselves, can I, can I go there? Uh, I, I just want to say to that, to that introvert who might be listening, you know what, isn't it, isn't it obvious to you that with what you know, you have so much that somebody else wants and by not going out and 
helping and proactively helping them, you're, you're, you're holding back on what you could become. And, and think about how much money you're making and how much more you could make by expanding into these other areas. I think that's a great challenge, Doug, to provide to leadership as well, because my, my spin on that is, um, you know, you're both absolutely correct. And we used to, we actually used to survey when I was in practice and, and, and we've done that with Spotlight mm-hmm. too. But I've been to many, many firms and presented uh, to, uh, you know, a shining sea of young faces and uh, who have often come up to me afterwards and said, look, we want to do all that stuff you talk about and what you've written about and using Spotlight. But that old guy over there who introduced you, <laughs> as soon as you go, he's going to give me a tsunami of compliance to do and yeah. we're not going to get anywhere near the tools. Yeah. So, um, you know, there may be, it might, might take a generational shift at the leadership level for us to really see this flower. I don't know. What, what, yeah, what, well, uh, earlier when we were talking about the, the blockers to getting to the cloud, one of the blockers that, and we've been talking about this uh, at the AICPA and, and all for some time now, uh, is that the older the practitioner is, the less incentive they have to invest in whatever it takes to implement new, new technology. Because all it does is, because this investment may not pay off for two or three years until we get over the hump of transitioning the firm, right? The new business model. So that investment won't start paying off until they're gone. So why would I yes. sap today's profits uh, for what I'm never going to be able to, to, to reap later? Mm, yeah, that's absolutely right. We tend, at Paradox, we tend to work with either um, younger firms that are starting up or the frustrated partner who's broken away that just couldn't get the others to change. We call mm. those guys breakout Benny. They're, they're, yes. they're broken out. But I think if you were to take the analogy of a sport, um, statistically, there's less correlation between the success of a football team with the coach, like who coaches them, than there is to the playing roster. You know, so it's the scouts. The work that the scouts did five years earlier is, has the bigger influence than who's the coach this season. Mm-hmm. So if the profession was a sporting team, the scouts got to lift their game, in my view, and attract people that really look forward to those client-facing meetings and don't view them as interruptions. Yeah, that's a, a really good analogy. And... I would say that the place to really focus, which none of us are doing uh, specifically, but of course I would love to, if I could find a spot, go into education, get down into the high schools and make sure yes. that we're teaching what it is. Not, well, I guess we have to teach debits and credits and the whole you know, general ledger stuff because you have to have the fundamental understanding and just like you can't be a doctor unless you have chemistry. Uh, okay, so, but most doctors don't do much chemistry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so that's the same idea. Is let's, let's get the education down in, the, in high schools and junior colleges and then be square, be straight with the, with the students. You're not learning to do debits and credits. You're just, this is what you've got to learn in order to do advisory, which is all that will matter later. That's, that's a huge point, Doug. We've been talking about that at, at Spotlight of, about what can we do almost from a corporate social responsibility angle because we know that you know, the likes of Zero and Intuit are starting to tackle the next generation. I think it's, you know, we all, um, those of us of a certain age, almost came through accounting despite what we were taught at high school and university. Yeah. Um, and, and it was very much technical debits and credits. But if we can get 
um, the accountants coming through. And I think there are entrepreneur accountants out there doing that. We're, we're talking to one of them in one of our next podcasts, Steph Hines. We've talked to one or two earlier and, and the likes of Shay, Tyre and, and Chris Hooper. Um, but that, that we're actually there to help empower entrepreneurs. That's what accountants should be doing. And yes, there's a technical background to that as well. But, um, you know, that coming back to your proactive strategic advice, if we can set that as a default position for all mm -hmm. of the 20-somethings coming out of the universities or even prior to that, yeah. what a profound profession we're going to have yeah. when yeah. we're in our rocking chairs. And the I other thing I, I would say for, yeah, I think you're right there and just the, the, the skills that they have to make sure they're getting in schools, writing, make sure they can really write and communicate well because presenting and speaking as well all forms of communication yeah yeah it's really a communication business uh, mm. most, how can you be trusted if you don't communicate well uh and the written is the first way because i feel like that's the that's the way you you begin to get on somebody's schedule you're probably doing some sort of email writing and things but certainly presenting and and uh evangelizing <laughs> That's what I'm inspired when I see firms like one of our members, uh, we, you know, typically we deal with one and two partner firms, but uh, this firm, they've got about 60 team members, 60 staff members, and two thirds of them are under the age of 25, 26. And I said, wow, don't see that every day. And what they, they're doing is that they're doing a circuit breaker on the typical recruiting approach, which is let's look at the available candidate pool out of university and they're diving in at the high school stage and getting really active in the local communities, teaching the, the young kids, not allowed to call them that, are you? Teens, youth, young people, um, how cool accounting is as an advisory profession and therefore attracting the people that otherwise might have just been told by the high school guidance counsellor, oh, you're good with numbers, you're very logical, you should be an accountant. Mm -hmm. to go, well, actually, no, if you really love just making a difference to people in their life and you love the whole idea of business mm -hmm. and you're good with numbers, well, then accounting is a really cool profession. So that yeah. blew me away when I saw that. So they've got, you know, cadetship pro programs and they know they're not going to keep all of them, but they yeah. figure let's just keep bringing the young people in and we'll yeah. groom them into the entrepreneurial accountants that we need. So, so, so can we challenge our listeners to also be part of that change, to make sure that they're empowering the young staff coming through. They're, get it, they're getting, uh, I, mean, I was going to say media training, but they're getting communication training taught how to present. I know one thing I'm, I'm really pushing is a lot of our team to, you know, anyone at Spotlight to be able to stand up at a conference and speak. Um, so I think we, as a profession, we need to expect that out of um, our graduates. But uh, I think the, the good thing here is the graduates I'm seeing, some of whom spin off and, and start their own firms because of their frustrations uh, um, of, of where they are in the more traditional firms. They're expecting more. They expect to have a career of interest. They want to get out of bed in the morning and do useful things. They're young and confident, so they want to advise people twice their age on how to run their businesses. We all know that that's, that's coming uh, and happening. But isn't that great? And shouldn't we challenge the rest of the profession to do this? Absolutely. I think these are the things that you know, we've got to we we've got to care about enough to actually be proactive as the seniors, if you will, in the profession. We got to help the juniors and the sophomores in the profession, and then have them pay it forward to their uh, downline as well. Because uh, you you cannot be in this profession alone. You really have to have people around you that are you know 
from the marketing to the doing to the advising, it's, it's a, a bigger thing. We'll know when we've won, won't we, when the school counsellor tells the most charismatic kid that you should be an accountant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, do you think, uh, I don't know, I, I'm not sure I believe this, but do you think maybe we need to change the name from accountant to something different? Uh, because maybe that's tainted in these. It's kids. very limiting, isn't it? I, mean, we I, think, and... yeah. I think we need to um, reframe it. Friday or two ago, I did one of my Facebook live streams on Friday beer storming about is it a good or a bad thing that term accountant? You know, on one hand, everyone needs an accountant. It's a good thing. People got a pigeonhole for it. It's cool. But with that pigeonhole comes constraints. Oh, you must just do that compliance and tax piece. So it's a double-edged sword. But I agree that it needs to be reframed somehow, meaning come up with a phrase that people get that you're an accountant, but you're a new breed, a new type. Yep. of accountant so they can see the link but hey you're new and different when, when we started our own practice in 2001 when we came back from the uk we deliberately did not call ourselves chartered accountants mm -hmm. um, which was rare and people thought we were mad because it was such an important designation and of course we you know we let the cat out of the bag mm -hmm. along the line but we didn't want to be pigeonholed as yeah. accountants only because it's accountants full stop yeah not not dot dot which is what it should be yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly. So there's another, yeah, another uh, sort of trend that that's going on that the accountant in today's world, uh, going, kind of backing up the conversation a little bit, going uh, towards this this these trends of it's not just general ledger now. There's all these different add-ons. So I call them chunkifications, chunks in the chunkification of the business process. So all these different apps that do all these different pieces of the business process. So the accountant who is maybe more techie, uh, who is less comfortable, if you will, going out and showing a dashboard and talking about margin improvement and things like that, um, they could become more techie and, and uh, help uh, identify the right apps for the right client and, and getting them installed and configured and, and, and selling. Some of them are resellers as well. So that's another area of the profession that I think is growing is being that technology consultant uh, in addition to the advisor. Uh, uh, at the same time, I will say, uh, <laughs> I think there's the, this chunkification, meaning general ledger plus five different add-ons or 10. Uh, I think that that's a pendulum where instead of more chunkification, what we're starting already to see is that the big players zeros and intuits and all, they're going to be buying up like hub docs and T-sheets uh, because I think it's so it's a consolidation uh, trend that we're going to see in the next five years. Um, and the reason I think that this is going to happen, it's still yet to really be proven out, but uh, is because the customer wants one throat to choke when something goes wrong, <laughs> you know, and they don't really like the fact they're paying five or 10 different companies, a little subscription fee here and there. And then, then the digital plumbing that has to be uh, really perfect in order for all of these different apps to talk to each other and uh Oh, one upgraded and then the API broke on the other one or something and something's not working. And so we have bad data. So our spotlight reporting dashboard is giving us garbage uh, why? Okay, well, you have to go and never done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so you have to go find exactly what. The, anyway, so I just believe that it 
it may be, uh, whereas the all-in-one products of 30 years ago, they just had ARAP and payroll and they had the, the feature yeah. set, but they didn't really configure, customize very well. That's why chunkification was great. We got way more uh, possible solutions. Uh, but now, if we could consolidate them into products that are sweets, if you will, I think that's where we're going to see a lot more. I think there's consolidation happening. You're right, because it did become too fragmented. But I think integration is really probably the, the, the you know, because we have some really good specialist tools and the more they talk to each other seamlessly, I think we'll, um, we'll yeah. get there. But anyway, that's no, an interesting thing. We've had, we've had uh, some great segues in the conversation. Yeah. I do know that we um, uh, are running out of time. The producer's in my ear saying we need to do a wrap question. Uh, you want me to do that, MC, or are you going to jump in? Uh, you can feel free, or um, I'm happy to do it. Um, so, Doug, to, to those listening now, people listening to this podcast are, by nature, progressive accountants, CPAs. What would you say? What's your piece of advice? What action can someone take this week to do more advisory work with their clients? What should they start doing differently? I would say ask those questions that I posed earlier. At, go to each client, ask them what types of services. Get in touch with what it is you do today as a firm and how well does that match what your clients want from you. This is not something that anybody is ever doing or done, I'm sure. It's scary as heck, okay, but, and, and you gotta phrase the questions well, uh, but but it, it may be the first time you ever have that kind of conversation with your client. And I think it'll give uh, pay huge dividends down the road. Great advice. Thanks, Doug.